My name is Owen Flynn and welcome to episode 46 of the Trail Running Ireland podcast. You know that place, everybody, where junior athletes with potential often end up the abyss, the nowhere land for unfulfilled running talent. Most never find their way back to the promised land of racing, but our special guest this week, Barry McAvoy, has made it back to the trails and mountains with podium performance after podium performance, and he's just won the trial race to run for Ireland in the European Championships. Everybody, get your running gear on, let's go. Welcome to the show this week and we've also got of course head coach our running coach Ireland Rene Bohr coming up in just a few moments time with a preview of the lap of the gap half and full marathon as well as a conversation about why it's okay to not run a PB in every race we do. More on that shortly but firstly a shout out to Sarah McCormack who had a stormer of a race in the 23 mile 67th Yorkshire Three Peaks race. Sarah took the women's trophy finishing in 3 hours 23 minutes and 21 seconds and of course Sarah has represented Ireland on it must be more than 25 times now she was the mountain running world cup champion in 2019 originally Sarah has focused on the shorter distance races but she's been entering longer races over the last year or two and she has shown that she is a force to reckon with over the longer distances so it's going to be an interesting couple of years to see what Sarah can do over the longer ultra trail distance races Back home we had the trial races to represent Ireland in the European Championships in La Palma at the start of July and we have the winner of the men's race Barry McAvoy coming up now very shortly and second to Barry last Saturday was and also guaranteeing his selection on the plane to La Palma was James Cavan. Well done James, another Irish performance and another sorry Irish cap for James there. In the ladies race the top two and getting those Two automatic selection spots in the ladies team were Jennifer Elvin in first and Roisin Howley in second. In the trial for the 40km European Championship race in La Palma, Edward O'Connor won by just 23 seconds from end the cloak after 3 hours and 6 minutes of running from the two athletes. What a battle that must have been. In the ladies race, Cora Fenton, an over 50, an over 50 category athlete, took the win. Now, that's some story there to win a senior trial race over 50 and taking the first place in second place was Shirley Walsh now the problem was that Cora and Shirley they didn't hit the target times for the race that will help them that would have helped them guarantee selection on the day both athletes needed to be around the 3 hour 40 mark and under so they were about 40 minutes over that so we'll have to watch this space to see if they get the call up for the Irish team or not and one last set of results to catch up on from last weekend was the Waterfall Trail Running Festival which took place over the bank holiday weekend down in Kerry down in Waterfall and congrats to Nick Hogan who took the victory in the 3 
three-day stage race. Stephen McGann in the 130k. And what about this for a run from Leanne Van Dyke? Second overall, an outstanding performance from Leanne. And in third place was Trevor Costigan. Well done to Simon, Simon Kenny, and all the support crew down in Waterfall for putting on another wonderful show down in Kerry. A little reminder, guys, as well, just before we kick off with our special guest this week, if you do have a chance, please do go over to Patreon, Trail Running Ireland podcast on Patreon, and a small contribution, the price of a gel per month, helps to keep us going all throughout the year. It does take a couple of hours to get each episode together, so any little contribution towards the, the podcast and keeping the show going would be very much appreciated. Right, so time to call in our first special guest. As always, it's head coach and running coach Ireland, Rene Borg, where we're going to look at the lap of the gap in a, an incredible beautiful race in Wicklow and we're also going to have a chat about why it's okay not to feel like we always have to run a PB in a race. Let's call in Rennie. Rene, good to have you with us again, Rene. And I, as we were thinking about our segment this week, we were thinking about maybe what type of new training tips or advice we could do. And then we were saying we've covered a lot of stuff over the last nearly two years now, Rene. And we had the idea of having a chat about a race that's very close to your heart. You're busy organizing it at the moment. The Glen the Lock, Lap of the Gap road marathon but very much has its roots and its spirits in the mountains of Wicklow and we thought it'd be nice maybe to have a chat about it and talk about the the pros and the advantages of sometimes running a, a race or a marathon not necessarily looking for a PB but just for the pure joy and experience. Yes that's right Owen so it's um, this, this lap of the gap project basically is kind of a child of many fathers um, it's it's something that um, it, it came it came into being when I was I was training for a road marathon probably this must be over 10 years ago um, and I just happened obviously to at the time I was living down in in the village in Lara you know for those who know it it's it's right in the middle of a, an old interglacial valley. So that means no matter where, you can run around in the valley a little bit and it'll be more or less flat. But if you want to in any way leave the valley straight away, you're running upwards. You know, so it gives a, a very particular type of, it puts some limitations on what sort of runs you can do, especially when you want to do a road run, you know, when you don't want to go on the trail. Um, but it also, you know, gives a lot of options. Um, and I had some of the inspiration to, for, for what will become the Lab of the Gap route. It came from reading multiple sources. And the first was the oldest, which is, you know, Arthur Lydiard, who we speak about a lot in this course, you know, because he's the father of jogging and, and everything else, the father of periodization. Um, and he swore to using, he used this run that was called the Via Tarua. Um, and the Via Tarua was, uh, it was mainly a road run outside of Auckland in New Zealand. Uh, it was about 22 miles and it was quite hilly. It had a good mix of everything. You know, the, the typical kind of thing of running on reasonably flat roads out of an urban area and then into some, some lovely uh, hills and, and kind of, you know, rural tranquility. Apparently that's not the case anymore, though, from what I hear. The, the roads down there now are very busy. So this... This run had a lot of different physiological benefits and that 
were probably superior to just doing, you know, a, a 22 mile flat run. But the only reason it was 22 miles is just because that's the distance it happened to be from his house and, and then doing the circuit and come back again. But it became nearly from that, those first books written in the 50s and 60s, it kind of acquired nearly a mythological status, you know, and suddenly everyone felt like they had to do a 20 or 22 miler on a Sunday, you know, as kind of the cornerstone of training. But that's actually how it started. It wasn't specifically scientific. It just happened to be the distance of this circuit. And, um, and it's, been a, it's been a great success, Rennie, over the last couple of years, this particular race, because as I said, it's in a, such a beautiful part of Ireland. And just when I was just reading some reviews about the race online earlier, um, one runner wrote, felt privileged to be running in such a beautiful part of Ireland. And isn't that a great testament to the race? And isn't it so nice to, to do, in this case, a road marathon and not be looking at the clock? Because maybe you could tell us a little bit about the actual race circuit, um, as that runner said, in just such a beautiful part of the country. Yeah, so basically, the, this place, the, the main part of the race takes place in something that's called the military road. And for those who are a little bit into history, um, and I believe it's because this was a road that was originally built by the British forces that were occupying Ireland at the time of the construction of the original road. And as a means of supplying the various barracks that they had, you know, in Wicklow. And if people want to go a little bit further back in history, Wicklow was a very difficult spot to control um, for the for the British, because, you know, as most mountain territory, if you had, um, you know, rebels and other kinds of guerrilla forces, it, they can very easily attack isolated points, um, such as barracks and, you know, and other kind of, what would you say, official um, buildings. And that means, they, and then retreat back, right? And this goes way back, all the way back to the you know, 1500s, 1600s and before. So mountainous areas have always been difficult to control. So the British began construction of this military road and still carries that name. And um, mm. today, though, it's not armored cars or even, you know, um, armies on horseback that, that use it. But instead, it is tourist busts and it's cyclists. Um, because the course itself, if you look at it from on a Google map or something similar, it looks like a big diamond. Um, mm. And it's a big diamond that goes up from Lara village at about 120 meters elevation and all the way up to this point called Sally Gap, which is a highland pass at 526 meters. Um, and it then takes a turn, you know, there's another little kicker that takes you even a bit higher uh, than Sally Gap. And then you start to drop down towards one of Ireland's uh, and certainly Wicklow's main uh, landmarks, which is Loch Tay. And, you know, most tourists hear about this as the Guinness Lake, because this is a lake where all of the land around it used to be owned by the Guinness family. It's, it's in different ownership today, but it looks like a big pint of Guinness when you run past it, because there's a nice beach. And I think that's like an artificial beach, if I'm not mistaken. But it means you have this black lake and then the, what do you call it, the the, the white sand of the beach. And it looks like the, the top of a pint of Guinness. Uh, so it's, it's extremely scenic, you know, it, it's not the only highlight on the route. There are several others, such as the Glen McNass waterfall. And there's a lot of really pleasant rural back roads. And, and there's a lot of variety because you go from 
the you know the the lakes in Glendalough itself where you're kind of among friendly trees you know and you're nice and sheltered and then as you run up this military road uh, the landscape becomes more and more dramatic and more and more stark you know so you the hills go from green and somewhat forested to nothing but brown heather you know where you get nearly this kind of stark desolation it's very alien and you feel you know, apart from the, the odd car buzzing past you or cyclists, you do feel alone up there, you know, like you're very far from everything. There's no house in sight, you know, for nearly 15, 16 kilometers. Um, and then you start to emerge back towards civilization. You know, so you start to see houses again, uh, everything gets greener and, you know, there's more trees and vegetation. And then you emerge back into to Lara, where we have a bit of a, a surprise for the runners because this course finishes with a little hill at the very, very end, which um, I know some runners who've done it, they consider it a particular cruelty. <laughs> so, I mean, it very much really is. It's a trail running race, but just on the roads, on the roads of Wicklow. And I know that you, you do have a very cool, I think, prize for King of the Hill and Queen of the Hill, perhaps maybe inspired by the, by the polka dot jersey in the Tour de France, where, and you might explain it to us, where is it the first person that reaches a certain high point, gets the title of King of the Hill and Queen of the Hill? Yeah, that's exactly it. And it is inspired, as you say, it's inspired partly by the Tour de France idea, but also by the, you know, the Kenyan long uphill runs. I don't know if you, you must have read of these, Owen, you know, that many people say because of the, the layout in the Kenyan Rift Valley. And one popular way to train for marathons is to do, let's say, a 20-kilometer run where it's all uphill and then they get bossed back home. So basically you have this, what's well, basically a long run, but every single step is, is upwards, or at least it is net uphill. And it's considered a very effective training tool in Kenyan running culture, you know, and obviously like anything that's Kenyan, a lot of people in the West get very inspired by this. And the race we have here just happens to mimic that because from the time you leave the lakes at Glenlock, and for the first 22 and a half kilometers, you're always moving upwards. You know, there's the odd little drop or the odd little flat stretch. You know, it's not like a relentless steep grind, but you're always moving up towards like a, a long, shallow uh, drag to that point. And we thought we should reward that somehow because it's, it's a big achievement in itself simply to be the person who has the bravery to take that out, you know, and um, may maybe there is, we know there are people out there who have a particular talent for that type of running. So, so we'll give them a chance to, to win a separate prize, you know, so there's kind of, there's a bonus prize if you're the first person to reach the Sally Gap, so queen and king of the mountain. If you also happen to win the race, which, you know, obviously happens on occasion, then, you know, you get both prizes. Very good. Very good. And unfortunately, Randy, as people are listening to this, it's probably just after the, the race entry is closed. So this is very much maybe a preview for those that have entered or for people who are thinking about something for next year. And as you mentioned there, that even for somebody who's thinking of doing maybe a flat road marathon later on in the year in October, like a Dublin marathon or whatever. I remember actually my best flat road marathon, Dublin in 2014, was off the back of a summer training for the hills for the Irish mountain running team for the European and the World Championships. So, so to do a race like this and to train on, on roads and on hills like this, it's actually very, very beneficial, isn't it, for anybody who does want to maybe run faster on the flats later on in the season? 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of training benefits because the, the one benefit that roads have over trail is that you can get a more consistent foot strike. Um, and you know you don't have to worry really about the surface at all. So you can just concentrate on a very basic job. It's a little bit similar to the track in that way. You know, the track is great for speed because you can totally forget about all other variables that just run at a certain speed. So when you're running, uh, even on undulating roads, you can generally keep a slightly more consistent effort um, and more consistent pressure on your heart. You know, so that that can be an advantage, and it can also give your legs a bit of a rest yeah. from the hills because some runners will recognize that if if you go, especially on rough mountain, but also just on on trail too regularly, it can actually leave your legs quite tired because there's a lot of muscular work involved in dealing with rough trail or unstable trail that is not the same on the road so if you kind of alternate between the two you know not only can you shift the stress but you might also be able to just train a little bit differently um also the most of the climbs on the roads you know even a marathon like this that you know this marathon has nearly 800 meters of climb uh, mm -hmm. over the full marathon but that's nothing compared to a trail race you know if you take a trail race that, that's the same amount of climbing. It's less now than is in the Wickleway half trail race. Mm. As that means on half the distance, you have the same in most trail races. You know, the, what they call the ascent race, that means how many meters are you climbing per kilometer? It's only 19. You know, whereas in if for all the people doing the relay now in a few weeks, all those legs are between 33 and 45 meters per kilometer. Yeah. So in that way, it's nearly like picking up a smaller weight and training with it, you know, so it's not quite as demanding. And that means you can build up a lot of your hill strength at slightly better paces. Um, and that's how I used the early parts of this route, like before I had the full idea for Lap of the Gap. And I should, I should give some credit over my money. The name Lap of the Gap comes from uh, the cycling community of Ireland. Mm. Uh, because that's what they have been calling this diamond-shaped part of the course um, since time immemorial, I imagine. And I just, you know, co-opted it for the running race. But in the early days when I was still trying to get familiar with uh, the Lara area when I moved down here, I was only using the first half of the course um, up to what's called the Glen McNass Waterfall. And I was using that as kind of a Saturday tempo run. Um, uh, about an hour to 90 minutes, you know, with 30 to 45 minutes up and then coming down. And that is actually a terrific training session for a lot of things, because if you you can keep that kind of nice, steady effort that you might struggle to do if, let's say, you're running up and down Scar Mountain or any of these other mountains in Wicklow, where your pace would be a lot slower. And the course lends itself well to feeling this kind of feel good factor that you get when you finish strong, because you spent kind of the first half of your training run um, obviously at a slower pace as you're making your way up and then you get this turn. And that means in the second half of your workout, you feel like you're really building up a lot of momentum and then finishing fast. And I found when I used this consistently years ago, that became a bit of a habit. You know, so this it, it, it can be quite an interesting format if you want to ingrain in yourself a habit of yeah good strong controlled climb and then a nice really loose and fast second half of your race yeah so it, it sounds like Renny that people who are doing a race like the lap of the gap that the, the finish line zone is probably going to be very different maybe to a road marathon where you know there, there's people in a really bad way 
after giving it everything for whether it's two and a half hours, three hours or four hours and their legs are broken. But I suspect that maybe at the end of the lap of the gap, another, and as we've seen it with normal trail running races as well, any that the recovery perhaps is a lot quicker. And while somebody who's coming from a road background might think that a race like the lap of the gap would break them for a couple of months in terms of recovery and the impact on their legs. I suspect actually that the, the recovery from doing a marathon like this could be a lot quicker. Once, of course, you've done a certain amount of training, of course, on hills and you're not just going um, straight to it from a, a flat background. But I know certainly from, from observing trail running races and trail running athletes over the years, that they can get back on the horse very, very quickly after a race like this, as opposed to a flat road marathon. Maybe the jury is still a little bit out on it because there's, it's obviously the, the one challenge you have, even when you have these kind of scenic and experienced marathons and road races, which, you know, they, you don't need to come into them with the pressure of, oh, I have to run a PB, you know, because the, the challenge and the achievement in itself is just to master and complete the course, which is nice in itself, you know, and, and that that can protect you from any, from injury in itself because you might not be coming there to extract every single ounce of what you are capable of. And that's where a lot of the damage from road races comes, you know, because you're really trying to absolutely break your limits so you can get that PB. But it still is a very hard surface. You know, we can't get away from that. And that that obviously, um, maybe with the new <laughs> carbon shoes on, it, it'll be easier. But that that can leave the legs a bit sore because although we have a, a lot of uphill, this in the second half of the race, obviously, you know, what comes up has to come down. Yeah. And and that means there is a lot of downhill running on on hard surface. So so that is something you definitely would need to protect yourself from. And it's it's actually a reason I started using part of this when I was training for uh, the Snowden mountain race. Um, because for those who are familiar, the Snowden mountain race is all hard rock and tarmac. So because most of the hills in Ireland are kind of soft, you know, we have some rocky hills, but not too many here in, in Whitlow. I actually found that doing some up and downhill on these steep roads, that was a way to just get the body prepared for that type of damage, you know, so that's, that's just kind of an aside. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's, it, it, yeah, the jury is out. I'm not sure the recovery is quicker, but I do notice that we get a lot of people there who has a more, they have much more relaxed attitude to the race. Yeah. And I think it's a wonderful point as well, just to, to, to not, not feel that you always have to do a race looking for a PB. I think there's certainly there's, there's a time in the year or there's a time over maybe a two or three year training cycle where, yes, it's great to go for PBs. It's great to go for good positions or good performances, the best that you can do. But it's also nice to sometimes as well, and it's OK. I think it's, it's important to just to remember that it's OK not to be always fixated on a PB or performance, whether that's on the roads or the trails, because I think as runners, we can get very, very obsessed. We're always looking for a race where we can be challenged for a time or a performance, where I think a race like the Lap of the Gap, like while it is, it's, a, it's a, still a very much a tough physical challenge. It's just a race to be enjoyed, and especially the, the local community aspect of it as well. Because if I'm not mistaken, I think a lot of people from Glendalough AC 
are involved in it as well and uh, a lot of local people involved in it too so races like this they're there to be enjoyed and to be embraced and and hopefully um the, the numbers that do lap of the gap specifically in this case that they grow over time yeah and within the limits that we can you know because one thing we should tell people who might consider this is that this is not one of those races where we can close the roads and yeah. so we try to control things as, as well as we can obviously and we have a lot of safety and you know we have a lot of precautionary measures to try and make sure that nothing happens but these are the, this national park area is so popular that you know it, it is literally impossible to get um, a closure of the roads because of the you know it would just damage the tourism trade too much you know so that um we we it, you, it's good in a way that because you have to stay alert and you have to keep looking around you you know during the race um, yeah. but it but it is something that we will try and grow as much as we can um, and to give people an idea like the, one of the races that was a major inspiration for how we ended up doing it in the end is what's called the Snowdonia Marathon over in Wales um, at, which was established in 1982 and the idea they had was they wanted to find something that was a dramatic alternative to the city and town races that were becoming popular at the time. And, you know, and it's, they have had for several years over 2,000 runners in that event. And, and they've been covered, you know, I think Runners World apparently it was once voted um, the best marathon in the UK. Um, and our races are quite similar. You know, they have slightly more climb overall on theirs, but our race goes a lot higher. But I, I do, you know, they, we definitely owe them um, some gratitude because we looked a lot at, at their races and inspiration. First of all, that we thought, well, there is an interest in these types of marathons um, and it can be done and you can even run decent times on it. And we saw how they did it in terms of creating, they created an organization where there was a lot of payback to the community. You know, so they have um, a, a part of the, profits for the race they are put back into and um, i think it's a foundation they have and they've been distributed to to various you know local and um, institution there in the snowdonia area and i thought that that is a brilliant model you know so from the start yeah. when when i first came up with the idea and um, we basically decided that glendalock ac would run the race um, and then we noticed over the first few years that uh, it just was very onerous for the committee members who had other priorities as well and um, to do as much work as it requires because there's there's a lot of responsibility in a road marathon because of the traffic aspect mm -hmm. uh, you know there's there's a lot of things that need to to be looked after to you know avoid first of all avoid an accident you know but just to minimize the risks and to make sure all the boxes are ticked so at this stage i was becoming involved in professional race organization myself so i basically decided to offer the club that i would be a professional, uh, what would you say, service provider. So that means I took over all of the tasks during the year in terms of organizing it and the race directing on the day um, in return for, you know, obviously a professional fee for the work. So that's kind of the model we have now. But even with that, a significant amount of the profit is automatically given back to Glendalock AC. Okay, so the, it's really, it's, it still is a community event. It's just that now we decided that it's, it has grown beyond what pure volunteers can do. You know, it needs someone to look after it um, full, well, not full time, but throughout yeah. the year, you know, so that's kind of the model we have today on. 
Okay. Well, well, listen, I might close it there, Rene. And just the last word from my side anyway is just for anybody who's interested in the race after listening to us talking about it there for the last 20 minutes or so is, is to go onto the Facebook page of the race um, and have a look at the photographs of the last couple of years. And the photographs will just they'll blow your mind. Um, it's on the 21st of May this year, 2022. And I'm sure in 2023, it should be around a similar date as well. So if you haven't, if you're not, haven't been lucky enough to get a race entry for this year and uh, maybe stick it in the diary for next year, definitely something to do Rene thanks a million and I might just hand the last word over to you for this one well just to say it is a half marathon as well so they can look up the details the Glen to Glen and also right. if they do miss this and they want to do something similar and um, there's a Claire Byrne half trail a half road the week after you know we used to be on the same weekend but we've moved it now on request because there's a lot of Irish marathon club runners especially who like to do both you know so they can clearly recover within the space of a week very good Rene Wilson best of luck with the next month Rene with all the organisation of the race itself and have a great day on the 21st of May take care until next time Rene thank you all Time for our feature interview this week and let me just call off some of the results over the last two years of Barry McAvoy. Second circuit of Clan Magnas, second Karen Tool Classic, second in Will Ria, apologies if I got the pronunciation of that one wrong, second in Neffen, fourth in Lugan Aquila, first in the Halloween Half Marathon, first in Wing Trail, probably got the pronunciation of that one wrong guys as well, apologies about that, first in Ballyhora Winter Moonlight Challenge, First in the Brocka Burst, second in the Mallow AC Trail, first in the Wicklow Way Half, and last weekend, first in the trial race for the European Championships and the Snowden Race as well. Everybody, let's hear the story of Barry McAvoy. Barry, first things first, congratulations on making the Irish team for the European Championships. And I'm really looking forward to hearing about the trial race. It's one of the highlights of the year on the Inward calendar, qualifying for major championships. And the first question that I maybe have today is, was this a key target race for you for 2022? And I presume maybe it's always been a dream to, to run for Ireland um, in a senior championship. Yeah. Um, hi, on And yeah, first, just thanks for having me. And thanks for having me on the podcast. It's a, it's a great show and, and a great listen. And yeah, like I think the way I look at it is like if you're racing at the competitive level of mountain running in Ireland and the trial race isn't a priority, then you'd be asking yourself what's going on. Yeah. Um, like at the start of the year, I knew the Wicklow Way half was going to be a trail race for Trail de Garladan in France. And so that was my focus. And I then I think it naturally kind of shifts on to, you know, then the next trail race um, when you do well in that one. And I have a lot of respect like for everyone that shows up to the trail races you know, and you've, you've done them yourself and you have to put yourself out there and you do need courage for that. And yeah, with regards to like, you know, running for Ireland, like when I was younger, I used to joke, um, I'd represent Ireland in Tiddlywinks if I get a green jersey, like, you know, and you never believe you'll actually be able to make it to a level um, when you're not there. But I suppose like you just go for a jog and then you go for another one and then just all this consistency happens and then you know, Leo Matten or whatever is asking you what size you are in an Ireland tracksuit. <laughs> and um, like for me, like, you know, I, I definitely have like a big dream around my life, but like most of my dreams were like, you know, it's kind of like that thing where you're, you know, uh, 
waiting to win the lotto, but you don't buy a ticket. And I think with the mountain running, I just forgot about the lotto and said, like, go earn some dreams, like, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm very proud to be Irish. And yeah, it's, it's an honor to represent my country. Yeah, and I'm sure you'll enjoy all the more getting that singlet and that pair of shorts from Leo, whether it's just in the airport before you go or whether it's over in the hotel a couple of days before the, the actual championship race starts. Right, I remember when I got my first cap um, after qualifying through the trial race in 2010, uh, I was on the phone to, to Jerry Brady and he said to me, oh, listen, come, come down to where I work. I think he worked in the Phoenix Park at the time and he can pick up your gear. <laughs> so I said, Jerry, when? Now? <laughs> so I literally went down that afternoon and wherever he was working, I think it was Jordan's survey, and just went into his office and literally picked up my gear, tried it on in the bathroom where he worked, happy out, went home with my tracksuit and my singlet. And uh, yeah, like yourself, um, was on the way to, to live in a childhood dream. Well, was there any um, debate, Barry, whether you'd go for the short course or the long course? Because you've been getting incredible results in the Emma races, first and seconds nearly all the way over the longer distances and the short distances. So what was it that made you go for the actual short course? Well, it's yeah, yeah like the simple answer is that um, like you, it seemed like you would get to go to Snowden as well. And um, so for me, it was like if I get, if I do this course, I might get to go and represent Ireland twice. Um, so like, like at Christmas, I actually, you know, this will tell you like kind of the mindset, like I, I put in my calendar Um, I put in, I looked up the Snowden race and I put it in my calendar. It was like, I think it's in like 16th of July or 14th of July or something. And I was just going around living my life then acting like, you know, if, if someone said to me, Baz, yeah, you know, it's, it's your brother's wedding on that day. I say, I can't have the Snowden race that day. Like, you know, and this is before like, you know, I even had won a race this year, but like that was kind of just the way I was looking. I was like, I'm going to that race and that's it. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it sounds like the, the dedication and uh, all the sacrifices over the last couple of months, it, it paid off last Saturday, Barry. And, and tell us about Barry, the, the race itself. I mean, you had James Gavan there, who's a multiple time Irish international. He would have been gunning for one of the top places. And um, it was a tough battle, I'm sure. How did the race go for you? And tell us about maybe how you felt at the, at the start line, because after, you know, marking this race and Snowden, and I'm sure the European Championships in your diary at the start of the year, it, it, it was probably, it must have been a nervous couple of days maybe leading up to it, you know, yeah. with such big dreams. Yeah, yeah. And like you, like, you know, I, I'm a, like, you would probably talk about, I analyse a lot, like, and I know like you've ran this race before and it's it's crucifixion. It's, it's a hard course, like, you know. And, it is, yeah. Yeah, and like, I think, yeah, I, I really get a lot of nerves before the race, like, you know, um, like my legs would be feeling like cavity blocks, like I, I've no energy I'd be telling myself like, oh, this isn't worth it. I'm never running again. And, you know, but the minute I get to Crown Woods and I get out of the car and it's the waiting is over and I'm, I'm there and I'm ready to go, I just instantly feel better. And like it was it was kind of a bit off because I didn't recognize anyone at the race, you know, because there was there was James Kevin and I, I knew James Kevin when I saw him, but I, I, did, I don't know him. And, yes. you know, then there was all these guys from the north that I didn't know that were there. And I knew Matthew McConnell and that kind of put me at ease. But. I didn't see the usual, like, you know, when I don't see Mick or Andrew Haney at a race, I'm like, what's going on here, you know? 
and then yeah. then Enda wasn't there as well Enda Cloak and Enda's a great runner like and and he he actually went and did the long distance trial but you know so that kind of threw me a bit but just once I went and did my warm-up like and I do about 6k in the warm-up um, because I don't like to go in cold to the race like so I like you know I, I probably maybe it's too much but like I, I'm ready to go on the start line you know and I had my plan for the race and that was it like there was no questions in my mind once I'm there like you know and like the race itself um you know for the first two loops James passed me just near the top on the climb on the first two loops and then I was right on his back going downhill like and then I go by him um on the downhill section and on the third loop he didn't pass me and and I kind of start going right okay I'm going to pull away here like so you know from that point on I, I just felt like okay just hold this hold this but I was kind of disappointed after the race, like with my own performance, because you know I, I can def I I've been up there multiple times and I can go faster, like you know. So wow, like, but, but the time that you ran, Barry, was was very quick. Forty five ten is one of the best times recorded on that course. So if you were disappointed with that, wow, you, you must have set some expectations because that's a phenomenal time. Yeah, like I presume, like you know, the the time was forty six minutes, and in my head. That means it's 45 minutes minimum. Like I'm going, you know, and I knew Tim O'Donoghue, who I've never met either, but I know he'd run 44, 58. So I was like, yeah, that's the time I want. Like, so that's just the time I was aiming for. So like for me, it was like, but there's a big tree down there as well on the uphill across. And like that, you have to go around it and step over it. So like, you know, I think I could have been a bit closer to that time. Yeah, well, well, I was there that day that Tim ran that time and it was a very, very strong performance. So to get anywhere close to that with a fallen tree on the course, Barry, it shows that you're in incredible shape and that, yeah, you absolutely fully, fully deserve that green jersey and the, the plane ticket to the European Championships. And, you know, I think the, the top two are always guaranteed selection in that trial race. And on the last lap, maybe on the final descent, Barry, did you let yourself enjoy that final descent into the finish line where, where Leo and the, and the volunteers and stewards and maybe a bit of a crowd would have been and, and enjoyed the moment of uh, making an Irish team? Like, yeah, because um, like it's something I do in training and I, I do it for a bit of fun, but like I often like, you know, I, I'll be running through some of my home woods and. I often like, you know, like pretend to celebrate, you know, like I, I like put my finger in the air or like put my arms up or, or clench my fist or something like, and it's kind of just, you know, like I imagine myself winning a lot. Um, and then, then just to be there, like you don't actually end up doing, like I just jogged over the line. I was kind of smiling, like, you know, whatever, but like, it's kind of like, all right, yeah, here I am actually, this is coming true. What I do in training now, like, you know, and it's, yeah. it's really, it's just a nice moment. Yeah. Yeah, and how did you feel then, say, back in the house on Saturday afternoon and um, knowing that all the hard work paid off um, and that, yeah, I'm sure you were, you know, telling the family, telling the girlfriend or that's if they weren't there, maybe at the trial race itself. Yeah, like my, like I was lucky now that my um, my girlfriend and my brother and my mother and father were, were all there and they're kind of like my support crew and, um, you know, I was grateful that I could share that moment with them and I think like, yeah, like I probably don't, it, it sinks in later, but at the time, like, you know, in the car on the way home, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, I wonder what the European Championship course would be like, you know, it's just yeah. like I'm, I'm gone on to the next thing. Like, you know, it, it's just like I gave everything for that and I did it. And 
now it's right what's next you know yeah, well, I know the, the European Championship course well. Right? It's on just one of the islands just across from me here. And it's a race that I've worked at for the last couple of years. And it's it's a beautiful location. It's fast running. Uh, it will probably be hot, so you might have to get a little bit of warm weather training in before you come over. But uh, it, it be ve- it's very runnable and it, it's very manageable. And listen, to be there with, with an Irish singlet on, with, with all the Irish team, with the best runners from Italy, Spain, France, the UK, you're, you're going to have the time of your life. Yeah, that's surreal. It definitely is surreal, but yeah, I'm just excited about it now, you know? Yeah. Um, but very like before, say, maybe the last year or two, and, and your, your results only started maybe to appear on Imre, I think around 2020. Um, yeah. Let's go back in time a little bit and just... Tell us about the journey from where you came from to appear maybe in Imre races in 2020. It, then if people look at your results in 2021, it's podiums all the way. It's lots of seconds. And then over the last 12 months, it's no longer seconds. It's first, 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 first across a whole list of races. There's all different types of races on the Imre calendar. So uh, how, how did Barry McAvoy become this incredible machine over the mountains? Where, where did it all start? Well, I, I like just to give you a bit of background. Like, um, I, I started running when I was um fifteen, and it was actually just to get off class, like in school. And then I started winning a few track races and cross country races. But like by the time I was actually seventeen, I was just putting all my efforts into like basically just drinking and causing trouble. So okay. that, that that was the end of my running. So I I only started back running when I was thirty thirty. Like so, um. Then, as you said, I did my first Imre race when I was 31. That's about not even two years ago now. But, you know, it's, it's um, I don't know, like, I think it's, it's like, for me, it's it's a way of life, like, you know, and like, yeah. I don't have much, I don't have much, like, to my name now at the minute. I kind of live week to week and, like, I've had over 35 different jobs and at the minute I'm not working. I'm kind of, like, burning through my credit union savings and, just kind of selling things on adverts that I like, you know, <laughs> like if anyone's yeah. looking for a, an antique nun's cover, cover, they have one for sale. Like, but um, I don't know. I, I just think one day I saw a man out cycling um, and he was probably retired and like in his late sixties. And I was just like, I just want to do that now. I just don't want to wait any like till I'm retired to do it. So I think I, I like probably struggle with society, you know, at times and like, the thing I love is though, like I always find the truth out on the trails, like and um, you know, I think when you find that something that is that something, like you have to go with it, and that's just what I'm trying to do. And like I don't know where it's gonna all end up, but like like I'm up in Donegal at the minute, and I'm going up Errigal now after this conversation, and that's 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 enough, like for me at the minute. Um, yeah. but yeah, well, like you know, like with regards to the results, like the the. The number one thing is I, I stopped smoking in October, just gone, and that's that's made a huge difference for me. Like, um, yeah, sure. <laughs> so like but I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like, prob- I'm probably a bit unconventional, like you know, in in terms of that. But definitely, if there's anyone out there who wants to get better and they're smoking, like, yeah, give up the cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, well, it sounds like Barry, you're you're a great example for everybody that's listening that might know somebody who maybe. Had had a bit of talent one day, um, stopped running, stopped training, or even somebody that has never thought that they could run, 
you just never know what talent is there and it's never too late to start because oh. it sounds like you are a fantastically talented junior then stop the sport but thankfully for everybody you've come back into it you found your way back and now you're an Irish international and that that talent is is now being realized and we're all the better for it and um, so it, it what, what a wonderful story and and you know tell that story to as many people as possible and hopefully the listeners will share it and what an inspiration for anybody listening that it's never too late to to achieve a dream no no and I, I fully believe that like you know like people can do whatever they want to do like you know I, I have that belief and it's something I hold strong like and like I, I remember like sitting in my mid-20s in in pubs and poor leash and that some of the older men used to say, oh, but as you were a waste of talent on the football field or this, this sort of thing. But I used to like, that used to make me feel better. Like, cause I was, I used to think, well, a better waste of talent than no talent at all. But really that's just sad. Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like, no, like get out there. If you have any sort of talent or if you have any dreams around then go after them, like, you know, don't just like, kind of like accept that. Oh, like, you know, it's just a way of coping really with the regrets of, of like, the path I had chosen at that time like you know yeah well, well I mean the, uh, a positive way of looking at it now Barry is that you might be in your what are you 32 33 now Barry 33 now yeah 33, 33 yeah. which you know some people might see that as kind of not old in terms of running yet but kind of getting to your mature peak years but Definitely. the good thing is if you're if you're only back running two or three years you're still very young in terms of the mileage that you have, all the races that you have in the body, the body's still fresh. So if you can keep it going, you know, you could easily have another decade of top performances there. Because sometimes I think when people get to their late thirties and forties, but when they've been racing for 20 years, they're well broken, <laughs> you know, they're done and dusted. They've been through too many battles and the body is just wrecked, but at least now you're only getting going. So, you know, with a bit of luck, there's another 10 years there of good races to look forward to. Yeah, please God. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, that's, that's, the, I, I've actually thought that myself sometimes as well, you know, on that, like, kind of like thinking, yeah, well, I suppose I had a break there for my 20s. So, you, yeah. know, you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, I'll, I'll go on now. And just like, sometimes I just pretend I'm 20. I like, I, I, I celebrated like my 30, I think it was my 32nd birthday. And I, I just said, like, I'm just celebrating my 27th now. And that's it. I'm not celebrating. I'm five years younger than I am. <laughs> yeah. Well, well Barry, like, t- tell us the, the secrets of your training. If there is any secrets. You mentioned, mentioned the, word, the word consistency earlier on. I'm sure that's a key part of it now. But again, just for people listening in, you know, you're coming along. You're only running two or three years now. I know there's probably a tremendous natural engine there as well that's, that's helping you qualify for Irish teams. Teams. but um what is it in your training do you think that's helping you um do so well in races is, is there any specific type of training you're following and um, i know you're very quick on the roads and the flat as well you got a nice 15 27 5k pdb there a couple of months ago and um, maybe could you give us an overview of your training yeah yeah um, no problem um well i don't uh, first i don't have a coach so i kind of like I suppose make it up as I go and maybe if I did have a coach it, it would be better but I my view on it is that it's 90% running and 10% the other stuff and like I'm 100% at a running all the time I'm 100% at that 90% I never compromise on my running um, but unfortunately like I am 0% on the other 10% like I, I don't stretch 
I don't do weights. I don't core work. I barely drink water. I don't cross train. Like I don't do any of that stuff. And I know I, w- I want to do it. And I, I think if I can, like that, that can bring me up, up a lot. But I run and like the thing I do is I learn about the sport. Like I read books. I read articles. I listen to podcasts, race reports. I listen to other runners. I get advice from like, you know, there's so many. I know, like I knew you before I've talked to you here. Like, you know, I know Tim O'Donoghue. I know Brian Fury. I know, you know, Peter O'Farrell. I know John Lennon, all these legends in, in this sport. I, I, I've never met a lot of, the, of them, but I, I know them. Um, so like, yeah, that that's a big thing for me. And like, I suppose the five weeks before the trail race, just to give you like a bit on my train, like I average about 120K a week. Um, okay. So some of, the, some of those weeks, would have been like about 140k and then I'm kind of like starting to taper it down a little like you know just the mileage but I keep kind of my sessions going and I, I think like every week I, I usually do a threshold session um, like when I feel slow I do 400s when I feel weak I do hill sprints it's kind of like a bit on feel um, every two or three weeks I, I like running up and down big mountains so like Brandon, Lugnaquilla stuff like that I just go and I just run as hard as possible and um then I, I I like I have loops in woods back here in leash and like they might have about 200 meters of elevation but I run those very hard like every now and again and kind of like use them as benchmarks you know um like the speed the speed I like I, um I was over Ian Conroy actually one of your former teammates um he yeah. gave me the chance to go over to Trofeo Venoni there last year and like um I didn't perform well anyways. I was was only off the cigarettes, but um yeah. he gave me the opportunity and, and I met a Welsh coach out there and he said that he goes, What do you think all them top runners have up there? And we were kind of racking our brains, said, Oh, what are, how many miles are doing? And he said, They're fast. And I just ever since he said that, I said, Right, I need to be fast. Like, so I do put a bit of effort into speed and um that's yeah, the 5k was kind of part of that, like, you know, and like I have this little book, Daniel's Running Formula. I don't know. I'd say a lot of people who listen probably have heard of it. Like, and um, it's brilliant, isn't it? I have it myself. I, I yeah, read it regularly. It's as simple as like to me. That's the Bible. Like, because uh, like I I just go by that, and you know, according to that, like I could probably it's in like you can do sub 15 5k or whatever. But yeah, like I'm not. It's hard to do really fast 5k's when you're in the hills all the time. You know. Um. Yeah. But yeah, like that's that's kind of like it's not a scientific approach my approach but like i'll just give you one example like like i was out for an easy cycle monday there after the race and it was meant to be easy and then there's this really steep hill and i just get up out of the saddle and i start going hell for leather and my legs are like they're totally flooded with lactic lactic acid and i just like just accept it and just keep pedaling all the way to the top up and down up and down through that pain and like i have no idea why i do that but I just do that sort of stuff all the time like you know yeah well um, it seems to be working Barry and I love the the freedom that you describe in your training session that um, and the ability to read your body that if you're feeling a bit off instead of doing say hard six by one k or hard tempo you're just going up the hills which is a lot more controlled you'll still get a great workout in but it just won't be as stressful maybe on the body as a really fast workout on the, on the flat you're getting the roads in by the sounds of it you're getting the hills in as well so it's a lovely combination of training that you're getting and and sometimes when we do have 
too much structure to our training. We're doing maybe a hard run on the Wednesday, but we're feeling a bit off or we're doing a hard tempo on the Saturday because the group is doing a hard tempo, but we're actually not ready to do a hard tempo on that particular Saturday morning. So it sounds like you have full control, full freedom, and you're very much in tune with your legs, with your body and with your mind by the sounds of it as well. And, and that's, that's such a massive, massive factors in the success that you're having. Yeah. And like, yeah, like I, I, I could do a session, you see any day of the week. I'm not, I'm um, like, I'm very flexible with my approach to training. Like, like you said, and like I have done sessions on every day of the week. Like it doesn't have to be a Tuesday and a Thursday. Like, you know, um, I just like, you know, I'll go by the field, like, and I spend all my time nearly in the, in the woods, like, or on the mountains, like I, rarely it'll just be like a session, maybe up in the industrial estate here in Port Leash, like where it's flat. That's kind of the only thing like, and, you know, yeah, like I, I like you probably might say it, but like, I, I kind of like, you know, that f- freedom to be able to run alone at times, like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's a nice break, isn't it? From phones, from, yeah. from traffic, sometimes from people as well. It's just so, it's so refreshing and so revitalizing to get out to the trails. One thing that I know you do Barry as well is one of the quotes from one of your fantastic blogs. And I might just touch on that later on is that you prepare races to a fine detail. And um, you said, I analyze and overanalyze until I hate this stupid race while you were getting ready for one of the races there over the last couple of months. And what does that pre-race analysis um, involve Barry? Is it, is it just at a laptop looking at the race course or is it replicating the actual say race distance, the race climbing, the race descending a couple of tips maybe for, for myself, for everybody that's listening about how you prepare a race. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> this is something I could, I could go on all day, but I'd be very brief. I, 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 <laughs> I basically, I basically, um, I just absorb everything. I study Strava. I study elevation profiles. I study the times people have run them in. I know every time that for every segment, I know, you know, what the percentage grade and the thing. I read all the IMRA reports. I, I look at photos, see the trend, and that's before I start to recce it. So when I go down to recce, like I know a lot of people might think wrecking is just go down, jog the course and you go, oh yeah, you take a left turn there and there's a steep hill there. Like I, I go down and I like, you know, I, I become a part of that course. Like, like for that trail race, I know that there's a bush is going to cut me here when I'm going by it. I know that I have to step on that line on the left hand side. I go from corner to corner. Like I, it's in my head, like everywhere I can save time. It's totally prepared. Um, like I was down there the five weeks, once a week before the trail race. And I've ran the whole course in like 47, 31 at the times. I've done five loops with two minute jog. I've ran three mm-hmm. laps from the start. Like then I've done like the first kilometer repeats. You know, it's just like, it's probably a bit obsessive, but it's like, I go, right, well, I'm doing this. And like, you know, we used to have a saying, if I'm going out, I'm going all out. So that's just the way it is. Like, you know. Yeah, well, I think that's the behavior and that's the mindset of champions, Barry. And, and again, yeah that hard work paid off and you were the first man home in the trial race and the first man on the plane to the European Championships. So I think it's it, it's preparation and behaviour that you can be very proud of. And, and you know, long may that obsess, obsessive analysis continue and your results get bigger and better and bigger and better as the years go on. And um, speaking of results, Barry, you've had some incredible results over the last two years. Uh, I said it's first and seconds everywhere. And 
and I know that you know you, you you really enjoy some of these podiums and victories and and you've spoken about getting very emotional coming across the, the finish line first in a couple of races, especially with your great support crew that's there. Um, apart from the trial race last Saturday, is there any particular highlight over the last two, three years, Barry, that stands out for you? Yeah, like, um, yeah, with, like getting emotional, like, I think, you, you know, well, I, I definitely think I have problems with emotional regulation anyways, but, um, <laughs> uh, like, I think it's, it's like the emotions come from, like, say like when I was 17 like I used to play football with town and I remember before semi-final of the championship I went out um on the town for a full night out before the race and the only re or before the match and the only reason I did it was because I'd have an excuse in case I played badly um and that's just pure fear like you know and like when I turned up to the Wicklow half this year like um I had to put it all all my heart and soul into it and then with, with that comes like, you know, there is a risk that you might not be good enough. And, um, you know, then just to, to, to go there and like achieve it and whatever, like, and even if I hadn't won, it didn't matter. It was just that I didn't turn up with any excuses, you know? And like, um, that, that ma matters a lot to me, like, you know, and, um, like all the races, like I, I have a real soft spot for Karen Hool down there. Like, you know, that was my first ever race. And, um, I just love it down there. Like, you know, and I think I'll miss it this year now because going away with Ireland, but, like that's a race I'd recommend to anyone, um, you know, but I, I think, yeah, the emotions come from kind of like, it's just coming from life. Like, you know, it's coming from life and, and it's the effort levels you're putting in and just everything like, you know, um, but the highlight like really is just getting the opportunity to develop my character, like through mountain running and, and meeting all these, like these kind of mad people who appreciate nature and are just so, it's such a great like community, Imra. Yeah, oh, it, it is. And especially, you know, when you came into it, I'm sure back in 2020, uh, you know, I'm sure you felt so much at home there from the very start. And of course, that helps to perform well and to run well. And we've spoken about Barry, everything, you know, going so well over the last three years. But has there been any low point in the last three years? Um, you've, you've handled the success. You've handled the podiums. Have you had to get through any tough challenge alone in the last two or three years where maybe your race didn't go as well as planned? Yeah, like there's, there's been, you know, like, I, like even just uh, 10 days before the, um, the trial race, I, I went down to do the little sugarloaf race and I was coming off the back of it and I was in the lead at the time and I just got completely lost and just kept running. Like, and then the next thing you kind of come back with your tail between your legs and the, the, like the race is long over and I've been out on the mountains for ages, but um, like you know, there's always injuries and niggles and and little bits and like that. Like, but you know, and falls. Like, you know, I had a really bad fall down in Tarantul last year, and I like, dislocated my thumb. And it just shows you, like, the people that are in him are like Paul Carroll, who was the race director in Ballyhura there recently. Um, like he just straight me and Eva put drove my car straight down to Cork City Hospital. Like, and you know, and it was just you know like. For me, like I'm kind of a bit of a pessimist sometimes, and I was just like looking at him, going like, "Geez, there's good people out there, like you know." And like I, I love seeing like you know the likes of like Peter Bell and Eddie O'Connor and like you know all these people like at these races and like even Nick Hogan there, he's such a nice person, like you know that I I met at Imran, like my girlfriend was there, like said to me recently, she said, "Can you not be more like Nick?" 
And uh, so if Nick is listening, I'm, I have to maul myself in his manner now at the minute. So yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's salt of the earth, like really in Imran. Like, you know, that's I just love it. Like whether it's Leinster, Munster, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And plans for the future, Barry, what, what are you thinking? I know obviously we've got Snowden. European Championships first and foremost. Do you dare to think beyond that? And is there any medium or long-term plan to, to go to any of the other big international trail races, I presume, to, yeah, to run as many of races as possible over the coming years and, and keep on climbing up on those podiums? Is there anything outside of Ireland that catches your eye? No, well, I think, yeah, like... What- when you first hear about mountain running and trail running, it's always the UTMB, like, and you know that well, like, you know, and, yeah. and uh, I think someday, like, you know, like, you know, that's, that's what I dream about being able to like do the UTMB and, you know, maybe you'll be calling my name down there. Like, I'm just putting that out there. Like, <laughs> oh, I <laughs> but, hope so. I hope so. Yeah. I'll be lucky enough to see the likes of, see the likes of Gavin Byrne and Ian Keith over the last couple of years come in. Paddy O'Leary, of course, as well, had a, had a storm there too. Um, and long, yeah, long may we see lots of Irish flags coming down yeah. the main street there in Chamonix. <laughs> yeah, no, so that that that's kind of like, you know, but other than that, it's just like, you know, just I just take it like one race at a time, like, you know, and just just enjoy it. You have to you have to enjoy it. Yeah. Well, well listen, Barry, it's been a wonderful chat this morning. Um, I've already done my training this morning, but after listening to you talking, I want to go out and run again as soon as I can. So th- thanks for certainly inspiring and motivating me to, to keep on going and, and running the hills and running the mountains. And I'm sure you've done the same for everybody that's listening as well. And just as one of our mutual friends said to me um, recently, he said, Barry, he's got the hunger and the mindset to make it in the mountains. And yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do, Barry. And, and best of luck. Best of luck in La Palma in the European Championships. And uh, looking forward to seeing you go from success to success over the next couple of years. Thanks, Owen. I appreciate it. Okay. All the best, Barry. Take care and good luck with the prep. See ya. Bye, Well, that's a wrap for this week's show, everybody. And what a story that was from Barry. A story that will inspire everybody that it is never too late to fulfil your dreams. Well done to everybody who made an Irish team last weekend in the trials. What a special moment it will be for, for those athletes as they represent Ireland in the European Championships, the mountain running and trail running European Championships in La Palma in a couple of weeks' time. If you would like to get to know Barry a little bit more, Take a moment to go onto the Imro website and read some of his race reports, which are simply outstanding. To give you an example of his writing, Barry wrote a couple of races ago. Wind adds time and effort. As I run into the wind, I bring my arms in closer to my body and pretend the passageway has opened up for me right between the gusts. I'd slide through it like an Irish Moses. I surrender to the wind and never fight it. Sometimes I talk to it, is that all you've got? Give me more or go away? And on that note, everybody, we'll leave it there for this week. Pop over to Patreon if you can, support the show. But first and foremost, everyone, let's get our running gear on. Let's go. Let's go.